Welcome to the Ride of My Life podcast. I'm Caroline Rena, and here, let the ride inside adventure begin. I will share what it's like on my own healing journey, and through what I learn and become aware of, provide insight to your journey as well. Hey everyone, I'm Caroline Rena, and welcome to the Ride of My Life podcast. And today's guest is Sam Kabert. Hey Sam, how's it going? Great, Caroline. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited too. So I'm going to start off by introducing Sam. Um, he is a successful serial entrepreneur turned spiritual seeker. He is known for his ability to put together teams to execute the vision. Being successful in the business world with such accolades like being recognized as one of Silicon Valley's 40 under 40 has allowed him to explore the deepest meanings behind the human experience. Sam's journey of self-discovery started with a plant medicine known as ayahuasca, and the experience has invigorated a new passion and purpose in his life. He's on a mission to help spread awareness around positive practices to tackle depression, sitting with discomfort, and exploring your shadow for healing, as well as sharing standard tactics to practice mindful living, which can be found in his number one best-selling book, Soul Life Balance, a guide to igniting and integrating spiritual awakenings. Sam has a plethora of knowledge and a heart to share. He can speak on scaling businesses with virtual assistants, generating and monetizing content and all things spiritual, extraterrestrial, and multidimensional. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you got, you've got a very a, a varied exp, uh, uh, aura, maybe is the best word to put that. Uh, that's really neat. Um, I really resonated, what was, you had said the piece about um, the sitting with the discomfort. And I'm going to assume and you tell me if this is what it is, but ayahuasca can be very discomforting. Hmm. Yeah, that's an easy. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, yeah, ayahuasca, it's, it's a funny thing. So if people haven't, aren't familiar with it or anything, I'll just give a very broad overview, but it's a mix of two different plants out of the Amazon and legend has it that a shaman was told in a vision to mix these different plants together and kind of heal the village with the, a brew, a tea essentially from the plants. And I mean, there are thousands of plants in the Amazon. So it's just interesting in itself to kind of go back to the origin story and just reflect on that and be like, how'd they know to mix these two together? But anyways, it is a psychedelic. It's known as one of the more powerful plant medicines. And I say plant medicine because it is used for healing. And a lot of people will say it's like 12 years therapy packed into one single night. So having said all that, you know, it's interesting that sometimes you'll hear people say like, oh yeah, I want to try ayahuasca. And I'm like, well, you don't really try it. Like, I mean, that is the metaphoric red pill, you know? And for me, at least I was interested when I first heard about it, but it took me a year to say yes. And it was from this numbing depression. And you know, a lot of people talk about the concept of surrender and like with ayahuasca, you'll need to be at that place of just total surrender. And I, I felt broken. No one's ever broken. Right. But you know, when we're in those lows, it feels that way. And I was at a point where I was like, bring it on. Like I will surrender to anything. So in terms of like discomfort in ayahuasca, it, it can be, you know, absolutely. Cause you, a lot of times you will relive past experiences or see things from so many different angles that it is, it, it is painful or it could be physically painful. Now, all that to say, it's also notorious or well-known, I should say, for having an element of purging, which purging means uh, puking essentially, or going out from the South end. So a lot of people are kind of fearful of that. And one thing I'll say is the one of the purge purges I had was the most euphoric and blissful feeling I've ever had in my life. And it was kind of like purging everything of like self-shame, guilt, self-hate, all that type of stuff out of my body. And then afterwards, just like, you know, just an amazing euphoric feeling. So there's so much to talk about with ayahuasca, but yeah, in terms of, uh, 
like being ready to sit with the medicine and what comes up, it definitely it's not something to really take lightly, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I had actually personally uh, done some research on doing it, on, on taking a, a tour, <laughs> I guess, through the ayahuasca. And um, there were a few things that came up for, for me. And I'm, I just want to start with this because this is a pretty powerful thing because a lot of people, like you say, they're like, I want to try it. And you're right. It isn't a, a try. It's a do for sure. A little Yoda, you know, thing going on. But um, the thing with ayahuasca for me was um, I rediscovered again that I'm a highly sensitive person with uh, 26 out of the 27 traits of sensitivity. And I was told, especially with the, what, the, what are they, um, you said the, you said the word and it, it slipped my mind. I'm not hallucinogenic, but uh, psychedelic. Mm -hmm. um, with, when it comes to psychedelics, if you're already sensitive, is that really a good idea for someone who's sensitive to be able to experience something like that? Or is it just going to make it more, you know, intense? Would, do you have any yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I would point people to, I could look up the website. I think it's called being true to you. And luckily I'm right in front. Yeah, it's being true to you.com. And I have several friends that have um, gone through this training program to be integration therapists for plant medicine. So they'll help you prepare for medicine and also integrate afterwards because taking the medicine is just 10% of the work. It's all about what you do afterwards. Right. Um, so having said that in terms of like, if you're good fit or with a certain medicine or not, I have one good friend. Uh, she's amazing. Her name is Janica Torres and I could connect people with her or you can find her on online. But anyways, she's, she's really good. And one of the things she specializes in uh, for some people that I know I've worked with her is kind of get, getting to know their specific situations and then almost like matchmaking with them for medicine that would make sense for what they're looking for. But there are definitely health considerations uh, to your point in terms of like um the pts not ptsd um like if you're on ssris things like that um i'm not the best i'm not trained in that so i don't know specifically like all the different things but when you're working with a a shaman or a facilitator they will ask you those questions if they are not asking you about your medical history and kind of vetting you before it that's like a huge red flag not to sit with them right and these yeah. days that is an industry an issue in the industry because as you're probably aware and a lot of the listeners are aware like plant medicines are, are rapidly gaining so much uh, notoriety and attention just a couple of years ago ayahuasca was actually legalized and psilocybin in the town i live in in santa cruz california and there's several other places as well i'm not sure everywhere but it's starting to be more legalized uh, michael pollan wrote a book a few years ago how to change your mind and He's talked about plant medicines and more and more uh, you, we're starting to see celebrities, athletes, all the type of stuff like that, talk about how plant medicines have been so impactful on their healing. So with the demand, now there's becoming so many more facilitators and they're just kind of popping up with not really um, having experience, which I don't shame or I don't like judge anyone that's, you know, like I'm a white guy that lives in California, right? Like if I were to serve uh, ayahuasca, you know what I mean? Like it's not really the most authentic. I'm not a shaman and I don't serve it to be abundantly clear. But my point is like, we're starting to see people that don't really have like the indigenous background. And some people have judgment towards that. I'm not saying I have judgment towards that at all. I'm just saying people need to get the reps in and train with the right people and really, you know, put the, put the reps in to get there. And some people just aren't meant to be serving medicine. So it's very, very important to feel into using the feminine archetypal energy and the masculine archetypal energy of logic. What makes sense to you when sitting with someone? Yeah. Yeah. And the shaman, the shamans, like it's uh, Peru and um, there's other places where did you do it out of, out of this country or did you do it here? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> you, okay, know, okay, you don't um, have to go that deep, but totally. it's interesting because um, there's a, there's a depth to this stuff and you have to, I also found out you have to have a mindset, a certain mindset before you even go in 
to do mm-hmm. it. If you're thinking, Absolutely. if you're in fear, it will, it will exacerbate the fear. So Big time. yeah. So there, there's just things, I mean, for my own understanding fully and for other people who could, because I read the word ayahuasca and I'm like, a lot of people think it's a certain thing I think it's a certain way. And this is something, this is, this is a deeply respect, um, a respectful ceremony. And mm-hmm. for someone, you know, such as yourself to have gone through it, like that mindset is so important going in and, and, and whatever you were working through or going through at the time that you had, that you yourself had to, or felt the need to purge and, and go through all that stuff. And that's also very, you have to be respectful of yourself too. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted that to kind of get put out there because um, it's, it's a powerful thing. You know, it's not just a really cool you know, hit on a, on a, <laughs> yeah, that, that was my point of like trying. It wasn't so much like a trying versus do it was like, right. there's like, you could, yeah, it's smoke a joint and uh, you work with cannabis and, you know, go back to normal life for sure. Most of the time, like you're not going to have this massive spiritual awakening experience. You might, but with ayahuasca, like it's kind of like, I'd be shocked to he- hear that someone didn't like have a massive spiritual awakening experience so like there is no going back you can't just try it and then go back to your normal life and be like oh that was interesting you know like you gotta be prepared for your whole life to massively change yeah yeah and i think that's interesting now now like i said for me personally i can't i'm not going to be able to do ayahuasca but i am trying a cacao ceremony this weekend there you go a little bit in there That's how I started. I did a cacao ceremony and, um, you know, the friend I went with asked the facilitator about ayahuasca and we drove together. So on the ride back, I was like, you're doing ayahuasca and you weren't going to tell me. Cause I don't know if we, I don't remember this several years ago, but I felt like I was kind of vocal about it, like being interested. Maybe I wasn't, but either way, um, yeah, that's kind of where I was like, oh man, one of my friends is doing ayahuasca. Cause back then I wasn't spiritual, you know, kind of like what you, what you read in the bio. Like I was very much workaholic and just, you know, focus on, um, my career. And I had just gotten into meditation and yoga. And that was like it in terms of any mindful spiritual practice, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, I didn't know it was going to go here because I wasn't expecting to see the word ayahuasca in there, but that's okay. So um, what I'd like for you to do is kind of give just a brief description of the kind of work that you do aside from, and then that can be short. And then we can, because I know you have your um, your book uh, sure. you want to talk about. So, and you have a copy of it. You can, you can uh, wave, wave in front of people. Absolutely. Soul Life Balance, um, a guide to igniting and integrating spiritual awakening experiences. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, let's start with what you do and then what, you know, kind of like a backstory of, totally. of your, your healing journey and then maybe what led into writing that book. Mm-hmm. I started my first business called Chico Feet back in college, and that's essentially what my main business still is now today. Here we are like 11 years later. It's called Swagworks now. So basically we do swag, branded merchandise, promotional products um, for corporate clients and been doing it for many years around 2000. 17, I kind of 2016, I looked around and, you know, being in Silicon Valley, wasn't getting much respect in terms of like, um, my career path and things like that. Cause you know, it's very much like tech scene. So I had already been on the board of two nonprofits starting at the age of 23, which helped me like kind of position myself differently, chaired a young professionals group called the Silicon Valley young professionals. We did monthly events and then I was like, all right, need to keep going, right? So in 2017, I launched a podcast called What Up Silicon Valley with a co-host, Sergio Oliveri. And that was a movers and shakers show and it opened so many doors. And we end up um, being partnered with some legit organizations organizations in Silicon Valley pretty early. And then, uh, yeah, from there, um, just turn off the notifications there. Sorry, I usually don't have LinkedIn open. Um, anyways, Organic. Yeah, from, Remember I said organic? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so in uh in 
the summer or so of 2017, we rebranded the podcast to be a media network. And we had five other, five total podcasts on the network, uh, annual event at eBay's headquarters called Pitch Tank, kind of similar to Shark Tank. Cool. Then I wrote three books in less than a year. And yeah, the, you know, I was in an off on and off again relationship for about four years. And then fast forward to 2019, that was off. That was kind of the catalyst to the numbing depression, um, which it was never about the relationship. That was just like the thing that was the catalyst to look at for me to look at the way I was living my life, which led me to ayahuasca, which led me to the psilocybin ceremony. And this new idea of a podcast called Soul Seeker came about, about spirituality, plant medicine, and so much more. From there, I went like head in on, on spirituality. And that was like the relationships I was a part of, the content I was consuming, like everything was just like blinders on and putting everything in the back. I had already scaled my business. So I was working less than a couple hours a day. So I didn't really, I had plenty of time to just kind of not neglect the business, but let it run itself and do my own thing. Um, and then I started an agency that fall uh, coaching entrepreneurs, how to build uh, virtual teams, essentially what I did with my own business. Then we create a done for you agency where entrepreneurs could just tell us what you want done. So yeah, I've done a lot of things. Um, and I've had this idea of the soul life balance book for since 2019. And, you know, I've really felt that I needed to embody it. And that was the past three years of being in this mastermind as well called fit for service and going to these, um, summits and events and just fully immersing myself in this. And then finally felt like, oh, I'm at the 12th step of the this cycle of the hero's journey. And now it's time to bring what I've learned back to the people. And soul life balance at its core is a reframe of work-life balance where we realize that work is a part of life. And that because we've lost this connection to our soul, where we've severed it, we are facing this extreme mental health crisis because of the way our society is run. So the first like quarter of the book is all about unprogramming. Um, but yeah, from there, it's kind of a guide and provides different tools. So that's a brief overview of where I've been and how I came to be here now. That's, that's really cool. I'm glad you brought up that piece about like embodying the work because, you know, how old are you? 33. Oh my gosh. You're, you're my son's age. <laughs> <laughs> so you've done all of this prior to being 33. I mean, that's yeah, like <laughs> I was named to Silicon Valley's 40 under 40 list um, when I was 30, uh, which is like the top 40 influential uh, leaders under 40 years old. Um, and then I was 31 by the time it actually got announced. Wow. Um, but wow. yeah, that was, you know, and all this to say too, like, I was chasing all these goals and chasing success only to feel more empty. And, you know, that's kind of what got me here. It was like, oh, like these are, it was external validation. You know, I didn't know about external validation. We're not taught this type of stuff. So I was just um, going to say yeah. that. Yeah, that's exactly part of, the, part of the challenge in our society is we're not taught how to go inside. We're taught how to do everything. Look, everything's, we got to grab everything we can out there. And then we lose who we are in here. Mm -hmm. you no, know? and yeah, and that's 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 really powerful that you um, recognize that at your age because literally, I'm twice almost well, not twice your age, not quite that far yet, but I'm not even numbers don't matter to me anyway. But it's like it's taken me my whole freaking life to figure this stuff out. You know, it's thirty plus years as old as you are in in doing this work. So my generation has a whole different you know mentality and process than yours does. Absolutely. And the medicines are fast track too, you know, and talking about like, quote unquote, doing the spiritual work, like kind of want to mention earlier how they say ayahuasca is like 10, 12 years of therapy packed into one night, you know, like it is a fast track too. And the, another issue we see in the medicine community is people, and I've done it too, jumping from ceremony to ceremony, wanting more without fully integrating, which is why 
I shifted what the book was about because initially the book Soul Life Balance was going to be more about like for workaholics starting here to whisper to something more and kind of like be that bridge to spirituality where I started to see it in myself and people I was around, like how we're jumping from ceremony to ceremony and not really fully integrating. So I became really passionate about how to actually integrate a spiritual awakening experience. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's really, and that's the thing is um, most of us, because we're so in the outside world, um, searching, I guess it's a seeker or whatever, but it's there, we're always like, and this is how my life was. It was, I was always looking at, you know, I looked at different religions. I went into native American spirituality. I did sweat lodges. I did, you know, all kinds of different things. And then it probably took me, I don't know, 27 out of the 30 years to figure out that the answers weren't here. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the integration is so important. I just did a, um, I just did an interview with uh, someone who's a metaphysician, and we were talking about this whole integration. But we were talking about like the inner child integration, and how our inner child, when they're wounded or traumatized or whatever, when we're when we're children, at that time we kind of get stuck at that age, and then we kind of just push that away from us. But they, but they're still there, and they still come out in different ways. One of my personal development courses was like coming out sideways, and um, one of the things that I discovered as I did my work was that as I, as I did the healing, did the grief work and all that stuff with my, you know, the energies that I was holding in the anger, the shame, the, you know, fear, sadness, whatever, when I was holding all that stuff in, my little girl was over there going, why aren't you listening to me? Why don't you hear me? Why don't you see me? And she's in a corner and she's hiding, you know, like this. And I'm like, because I, I, I've got too much going on. I've got to figure out, you know. And as I did the work, she like got closer and closer and closer and closer and closer until she integrated with me. Hmm. And now at this point, it's, it's like, I feel like even though I, I finally got to that like inner child space where I get to get excited about things and I get to be, you know, feel that little girl being happy and all that kind of stuff. And I, I know I have, I, I have a feeling, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, but if you, do you have anything that, um, I only said that because of the integration, I think it's so important that we recognize that. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, what, what would you like to share that's in your book that you, in this moment that you feel might help um, with, with all of that? Holy, thank you. And um, you've said it a few times and I'll, I'll just hammer the point home with the outer world being a reflection of our inner world, you know, and that is something that is kind of hard to understand if you're new to this type of concepts or, and, or if you're someone who likes stats, figures, and data, um, because it's, it's really more of a felt experience, kind of like what you said at the beginning about if you're going into a ceremony with fear, then fear will likely come up. And that's generally how our lives are. And it's so interesting. I can just like be connected with the weather and be like, huh. I noticed that my mood shifted before the weather changed, you know, something like that versus mm -hmm. typically, you know, my mood will shift after, but either ways there's a uh, calling in relationships or things that happen. So to really unpack this deeper towards the end of the book, I explore this whole notion and concept of purpose, dharma, and mission, you know, it, we all talk about it, right? Like, you know, if you're not in spirituality, I'm sure at least once in your life, you talked about your purpose. If you're into spirituality, you probably talk about your dharma, or if you're into like star seeds and things like that, you probably talk about, hey, what's my mission here? Like we all talk about it in different ways, right? And then it's interesting because what I've noticed is there is so much pressure to figure out your purpose and your mission and your dharma. And it's just adding to that external need to do something like, oh, I need, it's this needy energy where the truth is if the outer world is a reflection of the inner world, all we would need to do if we need to do anything at all is to just go within. That's all there is. And to really take it one step further, because I know this can be, this is a contrarian and kind of controversial thing to talk about because so many people are passionate about, well, I do this because it's my purpose. You're going to tell me I don't have a purpose. I'm not saying you don't have a purpose. And I'm not saying that the work is ever done and that you can do all the work. But if you're in the midst of 
like really doing the work and the inner work, would it make sense to start adding more to the mess if you're not a clear vessel? Said another way, filling your cup up first. So that's uh, something I think is really important to give ourselves the permission to rid this pressure of needing to do things and just realizing if there's anything, quote unquote, we would need to do is it's just to go within. It's that simple. Yeah, and it takes a lot to recognize that, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. When you're so programmed in the outside world, you know, like you're you live in Silicon Valley. I can imagine. I've never lived there. I've been to Los Angeles, but that's pretty much it. Um, and San Francisco. But there were a couple of things that you that you had said that I that I'd like to kind of um, touch on here. One of them is. Uh, well, let's start with the filling your cup up. One of the things that I've recognized in my own healing journey is that it's not exactly the easiest thing in the world to fill your cup up when it's full of crap. Mm. Yeah. So, so there's a piece of this journey where you need to release those energies before you can even fill your cup up. Because yeah. I because that's all stuck. It, it crams in there. It's either stuff that you've packed in. And then it's more stuff that comes on top. And it's like the stacking, this whole stacking thing. And we can't be a clear vessel for any, you're always going to have um, uh, emotions come through no matter what that's life. Right. But if you're, if you don't, if you haven't cleared the old emotions out, then these new emotions can't flow. So until that's a release, your vessel can't flow and it can't fill. It's, mm -hmm. It gets stuck. So that's what I've learned on my, in my experience with that. What do you, what do you have any, um, yeah, matter? I couldn't agree more. You know, for me, it was this big process of letting go. Uh, when I first did ayahuasca and I remember, you know, I was getting more and more into yoga fast forward. Now I'm teaching yoga, but, um, back then, like I was new to all this and I saw a full moon ceremony on a yoga, like a yoga studios, uh, website. And I was like, full moon ceremony. What is that? Like ceremony. Oh, that sounds cool. Cause oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I'm like, whatever, like I'll go to this thing. And I'm just learning at this point, you know, at, at this point I was just learning to tap into my intuition. And she talked about the full moon, how the full moon is, happens once a month and you, new moons happen once a month and how on the full moons, it's a process of letting go, whereas the new moons are, are planting seeds. And all this was like so new to me at the time. And I just had, and this is going to sound funny, but I just had this really like clear download that I need to get out of my fancy football league. And for a while there, I was calling myself a recovering bro because like, I know it sounds ridiculous that like one of the most impactful things was stopping uh, football, but it really was like my league was probably as competitive as they get, like, you know, destination drafts. That's where we choose. It doesn't matter, but we all get together. We party like we're in college and very toxic. And then not only that, like, there's this thing that happens on Tuesdays where you can get new players, not to get into how it works, but we would like set alarms for 3 a.m. and wake up so we could beat the next player. Literally the podcast I was listening to, Sirius XM, the content I was getting, everything I was consuming was fantasy football to get an edge uh, over the others. And I was never even into it. I didn't even want to do the league, but because I'm competitive and all they're all my best friends, you know, you want to be competitive and then you have to do embarrassing things if you lose. So there's more of an edge. And so all this, like my whole world evolved around football at this point in time, they had just started bringing the NFL games on Thursdays weekly, which now meant that you have all day Sunday laying on the couch, watching football, ordering, you know, DoorDash, pizza, wings, whatever. Monday night is going to be football. Thursday night's going to be football. And pretty soon it's going to be Saturday. So every day is football. And it was just like, I need to end this. And a few weeks went by where I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I, I realized how ridiculous this sounds, but stopping football, like watching football was the biggest thing for me. And uh, my team's San Francisco 49ers that next year they were in the Super Bowl, And I had watched like maybe one game all season, you know, in the past 
few years, I've probably only watched five games. So releasing that and really understanding, because I've always understood that, you know, when I cheer a team on, you know, I'm celebrating someone else's success. And when my team loses and I get depressed, like it doesn't make sense because I had no hand in that either way. I'd always realized that and was like, eh, well, whatever, no, not really put in too much stock into it. But then I went down this rabbit hole about how sports, like there's a lot of different distractions we can use, but like watching sports, not playing, but watching sports is a distraction from reality. And that's healthy in the sense, if you have the awareness around that and you go, Hey, you know, I'm going to human for a moment here and I'm just going to watch this game. And cause life is really heavy right now or whatever. But when you get consumed in the machine and you don't realize that's going on and you're starting to be programmed that way, then that's just unhealthy. So for me, my letting go, my big thing that was the big, big, big thing as ridiculous as it sounds was my number one addiction. Mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting because, you know, we're as human beings, we're all set up for addiction because it, mm -hmm. it stems from the mother, mother child bond. And there's an addiction there that we're, we're born into the world with because we've had that addiction with her or not, or not. And so there's, then there's this whole thing with an attachment trauma or whatever. So there's a bunch of things that, that revolves around mother child, you know? And so we're always going to have an addiction to something why not? But it doesn't have to be so overpowering and overwhelming where it like, like our entire focus is in there. Mm -hmm. And, and cause you can't heal from your wounds when, when you're like this on anything, on anything, right. it's more expansive, all this stuff about all this really cool stuff about being spiritual and whatever soul, soul searching or whatever, it's all expansive. There's no, there is no, this, you can't do this in any, in any capacity. And you can't see God or higher power or whatever if you're not in an expansive space. So you're right. And it's funny that you're not the first person that has talked to me about this fantasy football thing. I don't know what <laughs> this, funny. I've had like five, six, seven, I don't even know how many wow. recently who have said that. And it's like, what, you know, but that just proves it because it takes your focus away from you because you don't want to see, not you personally, but in general, we don't want to see the darkness inside of us when we have an opportunity to shine the light on the darkness. It's not so dark anymore, you know, right. and that's what it feels like you've been experiencing in your life at such an early age. I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. And, and that's, that's beautiful. And the fact that you're sharing this with other people, you know, I'm really grateful that you're, that you're here um, doing this with me and there and there's something really important that you what the other thing that you said because this is part of my purpose my purpose okay so you talked about purpose dharma and mission and most people in california probably say dharma <laughs> mm -hmm. and most people out here on the east coast will probably use purpose and mission i'm gonna guess i could be wrong it doesn't matter but as far as purpose goes what i've learned most recently about purpose is that there's no physical or um, the, there's no physicality to purpose. It doesn't feel like that to me. It feels what it, what it looks like to me and what I've experienced is, is our purpose in being on this planet is a reconnection to self and a, rem, and a remembrance of self. And then um, because we're separated from a higher power, from source, from God, whatever you want to call it, reconnecting back. To that or back into that because we're also part of that right and so everybody's looking for this like grasp and i've done it too don't get me wrong i you know i'm trying to what's my purpose i've got to figure out what my purpose is because i want to get out there and help people and this is what i'm going to do and it's like very masculine <laughs> and there's no there's no flow in there whatsoever so you're so i was constantly looking for what is that purpose like you were saying and what i found was the purpose is happening. It's in the moment. The purpose is always in the moment. It's always us connecting, to, reconnecting to ourselves. That's the purpose. And what comes out from that, what we exude from that lighthouse or however you want to you know, bring the in, in, inner, outer, outward, um, that's, what, that's what that is. It's like you find things that you're good at, your gifts and your, you know, whatever, and you do that in the outer world. And that is part of your purpose of connecting with yourself. And that was like a total download because I've never said anything like that before. Mm. So, so that was pretty cool. Huh? So, um, yeah. And it, and, and it, and it feels like 
your book kind of goes in that direction of, of showing people how to do that, mm-hmm. you know, without really using the same words I did, because I came up, I, I did that here, but in some the same, um, but that's what it sounds like your book can do for people is to help them reconnect with themselves. So there is a balance in life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's all about self-love and also the, I mentioned earlier, the archetypal energies of the masculine and the feminine. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, even yesterday at a yoga event with a buddy who's pretty spiritual, who he was talking about masculine, feminine, not that like I know more in him or I'm better or anything, but I could just tell like he wasn't getting it. And it's hard. It was hard for me too. So I have compassion to understand, but like a lot of times when we hear masculine feminine, we're like thinking about, you know, the genitalia or like, Oh, men do this and women do that. And it's like, well, no, it's the archetypal energy where when we say feminine, it's soul, like in my equation of soul life balance, right? That would be the soul. That would be the yin energy of intuition, of fluidity, of all that type of stuff, birth and creation. Whereas the masculine would be the life that requires structure, obligations, and, you know, kind of like what you said earlier do. So it's more that fiery yang energy. So a lot of, um, it is about kind of interweaving the two and, you know, I call it soul life balance, but it could very easily be looked at as yin and yang or feminine and, or, I mean, yeah, feminine and masculine. And the other thing too is, yeah, a lot of it is integration practices to bring you back to yourself and different uh, rabbit holes one could go down. And the other thing I will mention as well is, so many times in spirituality or when one's integrating, it's like, okay, I woke up, I'm going to meditate, then I'm going to journal, I'm going to throw in breath work somewhere here. And it's like, boom, 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 doing all these things. And they're approaching it as uh, a masculine type thing, a very yang with structure, life, obligation of a to-do list. And then you start falling into this trap of shaming yourself for not doing it. So one of the things that's like a constant weaving throughout the book is listen to yourself in the moment. And that's kind of where the, the soul and the feminine and the yin comes in, where it's like, yes, I have the intention of waking up this morning, doing breath work, then meditating, then journaling. But if I wake up and I don't feel like doing that, I'm not going to shame myself into doing that, right? Because that defeats the whole purpose. (laughs) Yay! Oh my God. You know what? That's fantastic because you just spit that out, uh, referencing me to a T in the past. (laughs) (laughs) All of us, "Uh myself included. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was crazy because when I was still learning how to do all this stuff, I literally, don't laugh at me, but you can, I literally took my, my calendar and wrote in at at a specific time. This is when I get up. This is when I got it. Yeah. So I scheduled every freaking thing in the morning. And after a while, it was like, I can't take this anymore. It's driving me crazy. And now if I get up, I have my alarm set for seven. If I get up at six, maybe I'll do my meditation first. Maybe I'll journal first. Maybe I'll do the breath work. Maybe they, maybe I don't do anything. Maybe I don't feel like doing anything, but that's the cool thing is that it's okay not to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that's part of your process, you know? And, and it's just, it's so funny that, um, you know, we're taught how to be this whole perfection thing because we don't feel good enough and we've got to make sure that we do everything right. And there's no right. There's no Mm -hmm. right. And, and having something, you know, having something to look at, you know, or, or read, like what in the book is like some it's an awareness of this it's it sounds like it's this awareness of what you can be doing like I talk to people about meditating all the time I had a client who a brand new client brand new to or brand new to meditation excuse me and she's like I kept talking about meditation and she's just sitting there going like this I'm like how do I explain this to her and it took me it took me weeks and weeks and weeks to figure this out and then one day we're talking and I'm trying to get her to, I was getting her to do breath work just breathe simple breath work and I said okay you don't have to sit there like in transcendental meditation if you I didn't know if she heard about it or not but I said you don't have to clear your mind you don't have to do anything and here's another thing Let's change the word. So we're going to try something. I want you to um, leave your eyes open and I want you to take a deep breath in and then let it out. We'll hold it and then let it out. 
And I did that like four or five times with her. And I could tell her body started relaxing, right? And then all of a sudden her dog came and jumped up in her lap and her dog yawned. Hmm. You know how the yawning is the, the body's, uh, shows that it's shifting or whatever to recognition that it's shifting um, energies. And so the dog yawned and then I said, okay, let's do it one more round. Breathe in like three or four more times. They both yawned at the same time. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, I think she's getting it. <laughs> I said, so give me a word for what just happened for what you did. What does it feel like? What's it feel like in here? And she said, relaxed. And I'm like, okay, well, that's your word for meditation. And this light went on and she's like, oh, angels, oh, angels singing and everything. And it's like, but watching the dog prove that it was working was really cool. But, but it made me realize that people don't need this whole sitting there for however many hours, 12, 15 hours in an ashram meditating, especially from, you know, Western culture. You can't do that. Our brains are not set up to do that. Something simple as just lighting a candle and staring at the, at the, um, the flame is a meditation. Walking is a meditation. You know, so taking those opportunities to do things like that, but you don't, they don't have to be like so regimented. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? So, awesome. yeah. And that's, and that's, I think that's what's, what people need to understand that. Um, is there anything that you would like to share from your, from the book that would, that you think would help, um, that you, that, like, I believe every author has their favorite part mm -hmm. <laughs> of a book. Totally. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's the part I already shared with the, uh, the, the inner world and the outer world and the, the Dharma part purpose and mission and everything. And there's this line from a book called star seed transmissions. And it goes something like, there's only one of you that needs to hear this message. There's only one of you that truly needs to hear this message and wake up. And that's something that blew my mind because I've thought about that a lot, like in terms of this Truman show, um, something like that. And I work with another medicine called Bufo too, which is like the felt experience of that. We are all God split off in mm. separation. Mm -hmm. And it's really like, if I can shift and fully love myself and do my inner work, then I, and theoretically, because this is something I believe, then I would be reflecting out a world of beauty, love, unity, and whatnot. So I know for me, I still have a lot more that I'm working on, you know, because otherwise there wouldn't be all the pain, suffering, and war, and destruction, and uh, programming and, you know, lies and all that type of stuff. So anyways, that's the message for me. And other than that, it's, it's kind of like what we were just talking about too, the blend of the masculine, the feminine and not shaming ourselves. So it all kind of comes back to self-love at the end of the day. And yes, there's a million different, not million, but there's a plethora of modalities that I reference in the book. One of which is a soul wander too, which isn't something that really resonates with me, but I have friends that have profoundly shifted. It's like a, a smaller, more accessible version of a vision quest, but there's so many different choices. It's like, okay, choose your own adventure. And that's kind of what the book's all about. Like it's laying down here's everything that I've encountered. And all of this has worked for me in different ways, some other than other, some more so than others, but you know, there's not a spirituality one-on-one handbook when you start to go down the path. So my intention is that this can kind of be that guide. And there's a lot of different resources and uh, like in references for people that are new to spirituality, one of which is a book called Sacred Contracts by Carolyn Mace, which is incredible. I'm re-listening to that one now. So yeah, it's just, it's a good place to start, you know, um, if you're early on the journey and even if you're later on the journey, there's always new nuggets uh, that we're picking up or just seeing it from a new lens. So either way, it really works great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I, I've read that Sacred Contracts many, so many years ago. It's been around for a while. <laughs> so good. I love that yeah. book. I'm doing a book. I started a book club with a few friends and we're listening to it again now. And it's, every time I go back to that book, it just blows me away. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to bring up real quick, um, just to make sure that people understand this whole concept behind the masculine and the feminine. So a lot of people say it differently. It's not just, it doesn't have to be masculine and feminine. Those are, those are actually more of the balanced um, ways or version of it. There's, there's like male, female, like you were talking about with body parts and all the rest of that stuff, or toxic masculinity and toxic fe femininity and that type of thing. I usually use the words divine masculine and feminine. Um, just for my own sense about it, but we all have it within each, within ourselves. It's not like he's a guy sitting here. I'm talking to him. He's just divine masculine. I'm, I'm a female sitting here. I'm just divine feminine. That's not how it works. It works with a balance. That's what the yin yang brought that up. I think mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. the yin yang, it's like, it's a, it's a balance of um, resting and working or receiving and giving or, you know, whatever, but we all have it. You, it. We're taught not to pay attention to certain parts of us, which break it apart, break those parts away from us. But that's the point of kind of doing this work, this spiritual healing journey work is to bring these parts back together within ourselves. And um, it sounds like reading that book would be a really big help for, for begin, you know, people starting out on this journey to get an understanding, a full understanding of what that means. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's incredible that you, that you're able to, again, at your age, <laughs> not you're very, okay, so you're an old soul. So that doesn't count. I'm talking about yeah. your age in this lifetime. I can see it in your eyes, but yeah. And for you to be able to um, present this, you know, it, it, it like, um, I'm honored. I'm really honored to be able to sit with you in, in this conversation because, you know, it blows my mind. I've always listened to my children when they said something to me because hmm. nine times out of 10, it was always, well, not always, let me rephrase that. Sometimes out of 10, it was profound. There was always the human version of the child that came out as we all recognize. But there were moments where it was like, I'm listening and I'm just sitting there going, wow, you know, and so you are that for me to be able to hear this and recognize that you have this, this understanding of what this is from your experience, from your, um, you know, being born on this planet, you know, all this stuff. It's just, it's so cool for me to see that. I, I'll even listen to a four-year-old because I think they're the smart, smartest, most wisdomy people on the planet. Ask them a question about something and then they'll give you a, I don't know. I don't know what it is I, about them, but. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And thank you, I received. I appreciate that so much. And I, it, same reason why I love hanging out with my friend's kids. It's just like, oh my God, because I don't have kids and I probably won't. But it, yeah, hanging out with the kids and seeing the world from their eyes and some of the things they say and, you know, one of them, I won't go into that, but yeah, they, they definitely a lot of times some of them at least can see through the veil you know so yeah i think they're the ones that are opening the veil i think that's the point right of this. like for me for me with someone like you at your age what it feels like to me is i'm like i'm guiding your generation to walk across the bridge to use your gifts to spread this throughout the world for them to prepare for them to do the bigger, to do the work that they're going to be doing in the world, you know? Absolutely. So it's like, that's how I see generations now. So I think mm -hmm. it's really cool. And I don't have a lot of people that are my age that I'm friends with. There's only a few people. Most of the people I hang out with are like anywhere from 26 to um, 36 or something, or it's a little 40, some people in their forties. I don't know what it is. It's just, I'm, I'm, it's, it's interesting, but you know, not that there aren't people my, my age that are, um, that it's good. To, it, we just have a different viewpoint on the world and some, and it's hard to break that. It's not you, the easiest thing in the world to break that. You might want to check out and aim one, any of the listeners that are listening might want to check out as well. Um, Aubrey Marcus's fellowship called fit for service. I was in it for two years. It, it's, uh, going on its fourth year right now. And Aubrey Marcus is a, uh, serial entrepreneur. He's a podcaster. 
He's a, he sold his company recently to Unilever. So, you know, very big, um, successful entrepreneur, but he has been outspoken about medicine and spirituality. And he started this pod, er, podcast, a uh, fellowship called Fit for Service, which is designed to give people rites of passages, experiences, and provide community for others that are awakening. And, you know, there's there are a few other communities that are popping up here and there that doing like soul development i call it but um you know i can speak firsthand from being in fit for service for two years straight like you know i don't i know i would not have been able to write that book without experiencing fit for service i could have wrote it in my masculine but i couldn't have embodied it and it was really that fast track and um yeah all my best friends the people i talk with most these days are people I've met from fit for service. The number one thing is like the community, the events are amazing. They're so transformative and absolutely incredible, but even beyond the events, the community and the relationships, you know, will you be able to provide me um, a link maybe to that? Then I can share since you mentioned it and then I could share with. Yeah. Channel. yeah. Perfect. And then um, what I wanted to mention, because you said that it's like all these communities are popping up. I was just, the universe brought me to a community and I'm going to check this out that like I'm staying right now in, in or near Charlotte, North Carolina. And I met a woman here and she gave me the name of this community called Habitual Roots. And it turned, and, and my next step in my journey driving will be out to um, just outside of Denver, Colorado. Mm. And um, I, when I finally, I, I let it sit for a few days. I didn't call. I didn't do anything. I finally looked them up. And then one of the, one of the founders who happens to be 27, the, both of them, both of them are, he's here in Charlotte and his partner is in Denver and they have this amazing community and I looked it up online and it like fits in with all the stuff that, and it might be something you could, you could even hook up with too mm-hmm. over the, over the ethers. Um, but they're doing some really cool things too, bringing people together through um, mental health and healing and uh, whatever through yoga, they, they teach yoga and that type of thing. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would love to be able to, fi- I'll find out more about it as I, as I journey into that interesting thing, but I find it interesting. You're right. The, a bunch, a lot of these communities are just popping up, trying to bring people together. Um, and that's really, really incredible that that's happening at this point in time, but it's meant to be, that's why we're here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh, wow. So was there anything else you wanted to share? Because I'm kind of out of questions. No, that's great. I appreciate uh, your time and all the kind words. And, and thank you so much and for how you're showing up in the world as well. So thank you. appreciate it, Caroline. Thank you. I appreciate it too. Um, okay. Well, one more thing. If you want to share just one link, I'm going to end up putting posting it. But um, if you can share verbally one link for people to get in touch with you for anything. Yeah, the best place is soullifebalancebook.com. I know it's a little lengthy, but soullifebalancebook.com. There you will find all the resources that are referenced in the book. And, and also you can find out more about the book, a link to purchase it on Amazon. So anything you would be interested in learning about me as well, social media, my different businesses, you can find it all on that link, soullifebalancebook.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Sam. I'm really grateful and happy that you just, that we decided to do this. And uh, yeah, best, best to you with the book and your, your, your new endeavors. And hopefully uh, we'll see each other on another, you know, <laughs> that's what usually happens, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe thank I'll you, manage to get out to California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been there, done that. Uh, So anyway, all right, everyone, thank you so much for being here and watching this today. Um, I wish you a beautiful moment wherever you are and peace. And thank you for being here on the ride of my life.